the TARDIS makes an unplanned landing on Minutia, where preparations are underway to celebrate the defeat of the Samarian Empire five centuries earlier. But the ancient evil of the Mara lives on, and Tegan, who has recently rejoined the crew, is being haunted by disturbing dreams of them. Only the Doctor can stop the Mara, but first he must convince the authorities that he is not just a deluded fool who believes in children's fairy tales. This is Snake Dance. Welcome to Regenerated. Only some of it. The rest he must have learned from the snake dancers, who kept the knowledge alive, hidden in traditions and legends. And if he became convinced that the Mara would oh, return... he didn't know exactly when. And nobody would listen. Just as no one will listen to us. Then why didn't he simply destroy the Great Crystal when it was in his charge? Good question. I don't know. And in the meantime... We wait. Hello everyone and welcome back to Regenerated. My name is Matt and I'm joined as always by my fabulous wife Becky. Seriously, you sure you don't want to do a John Barrowman bit, you know? Okay. Is it too soon? Well no, because the whole thing... Too soon thing... for jokes about John Barrowman? Well no, because I'm, I'm not saying that, I'm just saying the fact of, you know, the whole dancing on ice yeah. thing, the fabulous bit. Well it's not just that, is it? he just does that anyway. But anyway, I don't know what keeping, more keeping it Doctor that, Who themed anyway. Tanyoli. Keeping it Doctor Who themed anyway. So this week, what, well, why do people have to just say it in three things like amazing? How about um, emphasis? It's, just, it's called emphasis. Uh, yeah, but there's emphasis, and then there's called well, don't be a prat. Okay. Well, my a fabulous wife then. Um. Okay. You're not camp enough to be able to get away with that. Camp, we'll get into that. (laughs) That's a nice little segue. So this week we've got Snake Dance. This is episode two of season 20, um, 18th to the 26th of January, 83. This is four episodes written by Christopher Bailey, who did Kinder, surprisingly, or unsurprisingly, Kinder. um, Which had no chocolate in. And directed by Fiona Cumming, who did Castrovalva. And in the poll, I think it done a respectable 112. So well, I kind of, you know, I don't care what it's called the snake dance because at the end of the day, you know, what? there weren't no snakes dancing. Well, no, but I think it's more about not really to do with snakes as in the, the serpent dancing. I don't think it was. So, uh, we'll go through the synopsis, as always. The TARDIS makes an unplanned landing on Manusa, is that how you say it? Manusa, where preparations are underway to celebrate the defeat of the Samarian Empire five five centuries earlier. 
but the ancient evil of the Mara lives on, and Tegan, who has been haunted by disturbing dreams since her time under the wind chimes on Diva Loka, is now pawn in its plan to re-enter the physical world and subjugate the Marushan people. Only the Doctor can stop the Mara, but first he must convince the authorities that he is not just a deluded fool who believes in childish fairy tales. So, uh, yeah, so it is basically a sequel. Now, they have done it before, but this is... is well, this yeah, but it's like, like a, a standalone a pretty sequel, much, think, yeah, but it is. One of the first standalone sequels. Well, I wouldn't say standalone, because, you know, if you didn't watch the first one, and you wouldn't know how Tegan was afflicted in the first place. And But to be fair, what kind of... It's kind of like a story, like a lot of basic things, where... You know, certain people believe in superstitions and certain other people will go on a witch hunt and call them a fruit loop. Yes. So, uh, you know, there's always going to be a lot of... And the problem is, you know, it's always the minority that is actually believed in a lot of cases. And it's always the majority who are then trying to make out that's all sort of hokum or voodoo or well, you know again, sort it's of kind of uh, the doctor obviously knows the answers to everything and he has to convince the people who don't believe or don't uh, think that this thing could be oh well you know, maybe clearly real. the doctor needs to be real and be around then because there's a lot of people who are in the minority of things like child to parent violence um mental health issues and all sorts of things like that which are actually from a minority perspective mm. that needs to that she's such a taboo subject that needs to be brought to the forefront well, we're getting a bit dark and deep there no i'm just saying there are a lot of um, minority sort of issues that yes, could do are, with yes. that sort of thing but the problem is nothing's ever you know everyone's always sort of so hush hush about it and oh well mm. keep it to yourself you know yep. So last week when we did uh, Ark of Infinity, I dipped into the uh, the fandom TARDIS wiki, whatever you all call it, and got the plot off that. I think it worked quite well because it keeps... And that sort of response saying that's gone a bit dark, and that's kind of exactly the sort of response I'm talking about. Well, we're just trying to keep the podcast lighthearted, and we're getting into well, no, deep, I'm just, dark, you know... deep and dark sections of society. No, I'm just saying in society there are sort of things that minorities, yeah, there are. not just with regards to race and religion and things like that, yes. that need to be addressed. And the problem is everyone's always sort of like, oh, keep your mouth shut, don't rock the boat. Yes. Uh, I can understand what you're saying and I totally agree with you, Becky, but from the point of view of the doctor, nobody ever believes him. Yeah. But he has to show them the way. Yeah, but the problem is eventually they do. When shit hits the fan. Yes. And that's kind of what happens in this serial. You know, but I always find it the same thing. It's like always the same thing. It's like the Doctor's lands, he's deemed mm. a supposed villain. And yeah. then all of a sudden, as soon as the shit hit the fan, they're like, Doctor, Doctor, help! Yes. So, Kinder, um, it's without a synopsis. Although I'm I surprised can't... no one has actually, at this point, used a Doctor, Doctor joke. Mm. Not quite yet, maybe. Maybe in the future. But yeah, Kinder, I haven't got the synopsis to hand, but uh, if you can remember in Kinder, uh, the sh long and short of it is that Tegan... I would say goes, one, but I can't think of one right now. Um, Tegan goes under them wood chimes, which is like... Wind a, chimes, um, not wood chimes. Wood chimes, wind chimes. They're, they're plastic chimes, basically. Um, well, then they're not a, wood. It was a dreaming 
dreaming place. A wasn't wood it? wind chime is made out of wood. A wind chime sometimes can be made out of plastic, metal, jewels, pretty much anything. Mm. So wind chimes and wood chimes are two different things. Wind chimes then. So it was a dreaming place, a dreaming place where people were supposed to dream together. But because I think she dreamed on her own, it let the Mara in. And obviously, at the end of that episode, Turned they were able to uh, use a circle of mirrors to sort of, uh, as they thought, destroy the Mara. But obviously, it never left Tegan, and that's what happens in this circle one. So, of mirrors. Yes, it's like trying to basically defeat people with salt. Well, yeah, it was a circle of mirrors because of the, I think it was to do with the reflection looking back on itself. No, speaking so. of salt, you know, mm. they always say that Nazis can't pass salt. Mm. Right. But, you know. Okay. Anyway. Well, slugs can't, otherwise so they fizz. in Ark Infinity, Tegan obviously joined, rejoined the crew, and this is kind of like... Um, in, Jer- case, in case you're wondering why there's a bit of salt outside the front door and in the porch, just a thought. Okay. Slugs. So this is kind of a Tegan's, um, a, another Tegan-centric episode where Although, she's yeah. kind of in it, but she's kind of like uh, pushed to the the background a little bit Although as well whatever, as the forefront. Whatever, whatever that is that kind of dies in the end kind of looked like a fizzy slug. Yes, well, had salt we will get on to that. So, part one, we uh, basically start with a man sitting in the middle of sand, and he is wearing a precious-looking blue necklace. Well, we find out later on that he is Dojin. And yeah, we'll we'll explain as we Previous go through director. who he is. Yeah, basically. Um, but my fear was when you kind of looked at it from as soon as it kind of went on the screen. To me, it was very Salvador Dali. I found that the crystals they used in this serial are very reminiscent of Metabilis Three. They're very, that, that, they're that shade of blue, the crystal. That yeah, I understand what you're saying there, but what I'm saying is because of how it came up on the screen with the guy in the middle and the things around him and really mm. bright coloured and very surreal, yeah. you know, Salvador Dali was an expert in surrealism, so it kind of, you know... But then you're well, not you're not a Dali nerd, so yeah, well, it does look very painting anyway, because that's what they use. They sort of yeah. fill in the outlines or yeah, the background with. Well, I'm I'm trying to explain Salvador Dali to someone who's very naive when it comes to Salvador Dali. Okay, then we'll move on because I don't know what you're talking about. I know Salvador Dali. I just don't know his work. I know plenty of Salvador anyway, Dali's. So work. then we go to <laughs> the Tardis where uh, Nissa has a new outfit. It's her first time I think she's ever had a new. Oh, outfit. don't even get me started on that. And she looks very generic now, I generic? think. Generic? Uh, no, she don't. She looks like a twit. Because one, the shorts should not be longer than the skirt because it looks stupid. Mm. And two, if you're going to have a pattern skirt, have a plain top. Yeah. Or at least a matching pattern top. Like a co- sort of coordinated thing. I don't be having feel... two different clashing patterns because it looks stupid. I just feel that because... Tegan's got a new look. Obviously, she's got short hair. She's now in new uh, new clothes instead of that sort of air hostess outfit now mm. that they've kind of thought they better update Nissa's look as well. That's what I yeah, kind of feel like. Yeah, but she looks like an idiot. But, yeah, she looks... To me, she just... It, it, to me, looks like she's very generic. 
like a generic companion now. She doesn't look like anything different. I just feel... And still, what's with the heels? They're no good for running. I just thought, yeah, it just... I don't know, I just don't like that outfit. Maybe she's going to be in does, different does outfits do- every week. Does so. the TARDIS not accommodate for women trying to run around, like some trainers or something like that? Well, no. I think it's all... I think, to be fair, I think it's an acting actor or actress's trope. Wearing high heels makes them taller. So they just think, oh, wear high heels and we'll we'll figure out how to run in them later. But I want to look taller because I should think Peter Davison's quite tall. He looks like he's quite tall. Mm. So they need to have some height to get up to kind of his level as it were. Why? I don't know, because it looks stupid in Yeah, frame. well, the thing is, though, at the end of the day, I've, you know, worn heels quite a lot of my life. And to be honest, comfort overrules heels a lot. And seeming taller anyway, mm. but you know, most of the time, you know, there are a lot of people. People always kind of say, "Oh, well, you're short, you're short, you're short." I'm actually taller than quite a lot of people I know. Yeah. So when they're in the TARDIS, All right? Not my mum. Not your mum. When they're in TARDIS, the Doctor informs Nissa that they are not where they're supposed to be. Shock horror again. Well, not anyone in your family because they're all taller than you. Yeah, I know. So. Oh well. Anyway. So yeah, they're not where at they, least you're not six foot. <laughs> they're not where they're, they're not where they're meant to be. Then um, we basically get this scene of Tegan. She's basically having a dream. She's asleep. She's having this sort of strange dream, which basically looks like she's back on Diva Loca in a sort of cave. She tells the Doctor and Nissa about it. The Doctor's then worried that basically the Mara could still be alive, not as a physical form, but in her mind. He sort of goes through this like sort of uh, sequence where he says that. Because she's awake, her waking mind is more powerful than the sleeping mind. So that's how she's keeping it at at bay. Mm. But then she kind of says that she's had these dreams a lot of time, like a long time and all this and the other. So, yeah. Mm. How come it's not come up before now? I don't really know. It is what it is. Mm. Plot holes. We don't have to, we don't want to think about them too much in this serial. Anyway, on the planet, I'm going with Minutia. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going with. Tana, who is, uh, they never really give them titles as far as I can tell. They're never like queen or anything like that, but she's kind of like a higher up status, like sort of a royal is what Mm. I would say. She basically wants her son, who's called Lorne, who is played by... Martin Clunes. Well done. Thanks for thanks for staying awake there. Yes, a very sorry. I was just given. I said to you. I said to you last week. I said to you that a very young Martin Clunes was in this serial, and you said to me when we were watching it, Martin Clunes. No, you said it was a very young Martin Clunes, and I did say that. And yeah, sorry, I was pausing for dramatic effect. Yes. So yeah, he he obviously appears in this. It's I don't sort of says it's not his debut in anything, but it's quite close to his debut. It's very, um, he's very flamboyant with what he's wearing. Very piratey. Yes, obviously with the one earring in, and some sort of like what? you say, like uh, piratey trousers and that. More sort of like you know, not so much Pirates of the Caribbean piratey because he's a bit too clean for that. Yeah, so he's more sort of like flamboyant piratey. Yeah, so he's like the son of a royal, basically. That's what we're going to say he is uh she basically wants him to be prepared for this ceremony who, who played his mother because it's just like that's really bugging me i swear i've seen her in something well i looked uh because i thought i'd seen her in something i did look and she hasn't been in anything else apart from this 
So as far as I could Good see. Person. So I just think she's very just a voice is very like familiar to somebody else maybe. No, I don't know. Or, it wasn't so much her voice; it was more her looks. Yeah. But, so they're gonna have this. Uh, but then, this... to be honest, she's probably related to someone who's been mm. in something else. So yeah, they're gonna have this ceremony. It's basically to celebrate the end of the Mara. Because I kept thinking that when I was watching Emmerdale years ago, and I kept thinking. I recognise that woman. I swear she's been in something else before that. She weren't. It turned out that the girl in Everdale was actually Kimberly Walsh's sister mm. from Girls Aloud. So. Okay. Okay. Thanks for that little bit of nugget of information yeah. there, Becky. Anyway. So, yeah, they're going to have this celebration to celebrate the end of the Mara. Basically, Lowell's not really bothered by it. He's more interested in this sort of jewel that's being kept in the between the teeth of this like model snake thing, which is, uh, is he, he, you say he's the director, isn't he? Is it Ambril? He's like the sort of director. He kind of, he's kind of, um, advisor, I would say maybe like an advisor to him. It's basically, this thing is an artifact that he's kept for many years. It's not really relevant to the story, but anyway, it's basically a symbol of the Mara. Uh, they basically then decide to set off, uh, to this like, cave which is like a snake's mouth and this is where Ambril will explain the ceremony uh, proceedings they go through this sort of like bizarre which is very um very bbc very studio uh there's this guy who's like got this like sort of room full of mirrors and he's doing the sort of roll up roll up sort of thing a little bit of a trivia for you becky uh he is the husband of or he was the husband of the late great Elizabeth Sladen, who played Sarah Jane Smith. Thirties. Yep, that was her husband who played. I think his name was Duggan. I think it's Dugan Duggan. Uh, I haven't actually got the cast list, but we'll go through that at the end. So then we go back to uh, the TARDIS, where Tegan obviously is under the influence of the Mara. She has like the dude in the shiny hat. Yeah, it's kind of like a sort of sort of feathery shiny hat. Yeah, again, like a sort of uh, sort of Mongolian type hat isn't it um, anyway so Tegan she not really I'd say it's more like sort of um, a sort of cavalier sort of out- outfit like so mm. like with um, sort of three musketeers yeah okay so yeah on, in the TARDIS Tegan's basically set the TARDIS controls to ma- uh, Minutia which is the planet which is known well to the Doctor uh, she also talks of uh, like this dream, like we said, she's been having of the cave shaped in the jaws of a snake. The doctor then creates a hypnosis machine which inhibits the brain waves associated with the dreaming to protect Tegan upon their arrival to the planet. They decide to investigate. So she's got like a little earpiece in which is drowning out all outside yeah, noise. Yeah, but keep well, her apparently, but she only has it in one ear. Yeah, and then they kind of show you like a camera where it's like a sort of funnel round circle view yeah of what she's seeing it's all like green tunnel vision yeah kind of green but the thing is with that i don't understand it because it's like well one surely that wouldn't affect her vision mm. really yeah it's but again plot points becky it's like the other thing if why if it's a supposed if she's got such auditory problems that nissa has to like lead her around everywhere and she can't hear no one that's complete crap because you would if you were talking into the ear that didn't have an earphone in 
But it also, if you're going to get into plot points... Because you, you know full well, if you've got headphones on, you've only got one on, you can still hear out the other ear. If you're going to get into plot points, though, Becky, uh, the fact that he's already said to her that our conscious mind is more powerful and keeps it sort of dulled down, why does she need a hypnosis device when she's been doing it for months, maybe years, since she's since she met the Kinder and Diva Loka and all that sort of stuff? It's always been there. But she's only now, it's already now come out. Maybe it's because the trouble is with Doctor Who is it's through space and time. So it's not like this ceremony's coming up in the future. So it triggers it because it could have been in the past because it's a space time machine. So it can mm. go forward and back and through space and time. So I don't know. Like I said, plot holes, if we think about them too much, we will go mad. So we have to not... Yeah, but they're saying that because of the Mara is still in her head, that that's why she programmed the coordinates wrong to go back there in yeah, the first so, like, place. Yeah, so subconsciously she done it. Yeah. So anyway, on the local streets, a man is shouting to the crowd. Like I said, this is what I'm saying about this uh, uh, Elizabeth Sladen's husband. I think it's Dugan. He's basically saying about his horror mirrors. Lon finds it hilarious and is pulled along by his mother so that they can reach the cave. There, Ambril explains the legend of the snake and how they will add to the ceremony using the stories. They enter the cave and travel far through the tunnels inside. I think the inside interior of the, of the cave is quite good. I thought mm. it was quite... It looked really it's not convincing is it you know because it's not like we're seeing uh what was it the mutants with john pertwee where they were actually in a cave they actually went there they filmed it in a cave mm. whereas this is a studio-based cave you can see it's a little bit studio but it still looks quite good anyway so then the doctor sort of stumbles on the cave he's searching the cave which uh, tegan had the vision of in her dream they finally find uh the, the doctor finally enters it, telling Nissa to look after Tegan outside, and they're sort of waiting outside. As a consequence of a dream, Tegan is frightened when a merchant approaches, approaches her selling a wiggling snake, a toy snake. She then sort of legs it. Um, and screams. Yep, she runs away while Nissa tries to follow, but loses her in the crowds, and she, and she has to wait around for the doctor. Tegan then enters a fortune teller's tent, and because... Uh, and uh, the fortune teller then ends up removing this hypnosis machine. So Tegan is eventually controlled over by the Amara. The fortune teller explains that her stories that she tells everyone with the crystal ball and that aren't real. But then because of the aware of uh, then becomes aware of the snake skull, which appears in the crystal ball because Tegan sort of goes over to the ball, says, look now. She basically looks, it's a crystal, it's a skull of a snake. And then uh, the, crystal ball basically explodes violently and the torch uh, the fortune teller sort of screams and that's the end of the episode so it's a bit of a weak i thought it was a bit of a weak cliffhanger to be honest it's not mm. really like any danger there it's just a practical joke basically which uh, N uh tegan then explains when she meets up with nista well, unless you're thinking shrapnel well yeah i suppose but i just feel like doctor who cliffhangers if you scream it's a cliffhanger you could see a big massive spider on the floor and you scream and that's the cliffhanger. And it's kind of like that here. Yeah. Some of the cliffhangers are a bit weak, I found, in yeah. this serial, but it is what it is. Anyway, part two. Tegan escapes from the tent. The fortune teller is helped out of her tent by locals who completely... Uh, and she's completely overwhelmed by the situation of the exploding crystal ball. The doctor arrives... Uh, the doctor appears 
in the cave where Lon is having a lesson on the Mara legend. Ambril is surprised by the Time Lord's appearance. The Doctor is keen to note that the legend is very real. So this is what we're saying at the beginning about um, training is for yeah, rope. trying to sort of say actually I know it's real they're saying no it's not it's just a, a fantasy basically but they know that the Mara were real so they know and they know later on they explain that there is this legend of the Mara returning yeah so why wouldn't you be a little bit sort of a mm, little bit sort of at least hear him out not skeptical anyway Lon finds us all curious and Ambril believes that the Doctor is basically just crazy Nissa finally finds Tegan who's laughing about the fortune teller because obviously like I said she's played a practical joke. Nissa soon realised that she is under the influence of the Mara again. Her emotions are different to what Tegan would express. So she's a little bit sort of uh, playful, giddy, um, that sort of thing. Because she's really happy that she's scared this fortune teller, which is very out of character. Yeah, very out of character to what Tegan really is. Tegan then runs off again, and this time Nissa loses her for real. Tegan... when she threw the apples and people said... Yeah, basically, yeah. Because it seems like the Mara's got that sort of like... Uh, playful sort of streak as it were Tegan has a secretly uh, Tegan ends up secretly entering that hall of mirrors to escape from Nyssa Nyssa arrives just outside the cave where Lon Tana and Ambril have just emerged to return to the palace. The Doctor is behind them. Nissa explains about Tegan's disappearance. The Doctor looks worried. He wants to return to the TARDIS because he says that she may have returned there. So through the uh, monitor, the wavelengths of an interesting blue gem, he has uh, basically, sorry, he wants to return to the TARDIS uh, to monitor the wavelengths of an interesting blue jewel he has just obtained. Also, he does say Tegan might have ended up there. So the Mara, yeah. in, the Mara in Tegan uh, is interested basically in the mirror. Uh, remembering that she was trapped by a circle of mirrors before on the Kinder world. Uh, she sort of says, you know, you were trapped. They kind of have like a sort of um, the Mara in the mirror is talking. She's talking back. So it's kind of like it's inside her, but they obviously do this sort of split to sort of dif- differentiate is that the word differentiate differentiate between the two and she does say about um about well circular mirrors you know trapped you and that's where they said that this this basically is this room of mirrors is basically not a circle so that's why uh yeah. duggan oh no so dugdale that's what his name is dugdale finds her talk to herself and is also influenced by the mara when he looks into the mirror tegan orgas- or orders him to bring lon to her so, yeah, uh, it's sort of like recruiting people to the cause a little bit here as well, sort of with this. So the Doctor and this are now in the TARDIS where the Doctor is creating a circle where he can project thoughts into the jewel. When he tries, along with Nissa, the jewel lights up, but only when they concentrate. Mm. So, yeah, they have to sort of really concentrate really hard to get the thoughts into the crystal. Lon arrives at the Hall of Mirrors and is quickly taken by the Mara. Then they proceed to the cave and behind the symbolic wall where they find Dugdale as a servant. So they then go to the uh, the cave. They basically by now, um, Tegan's got that snake tattoo back on her arm, which you can basically now see is, is, is a, a quite shoddy plastic sticker. 
I would say. Yeah. It's quite shiny. And she puts it up on the wall and it ends up opening the doors and they go into this little like chamber that's behind the wall. And uh, that's basically the end of part two. So again, a really crappy cliffhanger there. Like I said, the cliffhangers weren't that great. Uh, part three, the doctor returns to the palace to try to persuade Ambril to believe him. Ambril is unimpressed and orders the doctor to be jailed. So it's kind of like... Um, locking up the crazy people yeah. a little bit there. They don't really want to hear him out. He don't want him getting out to influence other people. So their answer is just to throw him in a cell. And that's a bit like, like what you were saying about people ignoring mental health and stuff like that. They did used to do that. Like, well, I still do. In a way, You'd yes. think in this day and age, though, people wouldn't, but they still do. You know, it's like this whole be kind movement and things like that. But people still, you know, and like I said, everything that happened... We know with COVID and people trying to be there for their communities and things like that during a pandemic. And it's like as soon as the pandemic ended, it was just all went out of the window. Yeah, people don't really care about each other now. No, and that's like that. That's like everyone was all about when Caroline Flack killed herself and everything. And everyone was like, oh, the whole be kind movement and things like that. And now it's just like, you know, half the time people don't give a monkeys. Yeah, so. Yeah, unfortunately, that's just the way society is. It shouldn't be that way, but sometimes it is. Yep. So Nissa overhears everything and then tries to work uh, by herself to solve the issue. Lon ar- arrives in Ambril's office to gather the jewel because they need the what do they call it? The great jewel, uh, the great crystal. They yep. call it the great crystal. Uh, Into the, the crystal maze. Basically, yes. Uh, so basically, the door in the chain uh, in the cave. Sorry, I had to. The door in the cave is a snake. And in the snake's mouth should be the great crystal, but it's been removed. So this is why Lon wants it for the Mara. He uh, basically says there, you know, to gather the crystal, which opens the symbolic wall and will eventually bring back the Mara. Mm. Ambril doesn't know that Lon is under the influence of the Mara. The doctor tries to persuade Shay. Is it Shayla? Sheila? Shayla? Sheetla? C-H-E-L-A. I'm going for Sheila. Yeah. Uh, not to be confused with uh, the Australian good old Sheila. That's kind of a He's term basically that... a male servant to Lon and Tanner and mainly Ambril. He's kind of his sort of servant. Anyway, they try to persuade him to get, here, uh, get the doctor out, but there's no real luck. Lon lures Ambril to the cave with the promise of discovering priceless historic artefacts. Once inside, Ambril is cornered by the possessed Lon, Dugdale and Tegan. It says that Dugdale is possessed. He kind yeah. of is an int, but he never see any snake on his arm or anything like that. He's kind of like maybe just hypnotized, a bit like the master. Mm. That's the way I sort of perceive it. He's not really one of the Mara. He's kind of just like a subservient of them. He's kind of hypnotized. That's the way I perceived mm, it. So got someone to do dirty work. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Lon, Dugday, and Tegan, who pressure him to return the Great Crystal during the ceremony. After Ambril agrees and Lon... Uh, leads him away. The mark of the serpent on serpent on Tegan's arm manifests as a live snake. I thought, uh, yes, obviously it's a fake snake. You can you can see it's a fake snake. It is what it is. Uh, but I thought this this effect was a little bit better than what they did with the giant snake in Kinder. You can obviously see it's a giant snake which is on strings and pulleys and all that sort of crap. Um, this time, obviously, it's like an inflatable sort of fake snake on her arm. But I did think it actually looked a little bit better. Obviously, it's not a live snake. Maybe they could have done a live little snake, but 
it is yeah. what it is because they do do a live snake it's a little one isn't it like a little grass snake yeah. at the end so they could have done one but it is what it is anyway Sheila brings the doctor a diary written by Dojin Ambril's predecessor as the director of historical research Dojin believes that the Mara have not been destroyed and would someday return he eventually left his post to study the forbidden teachings of the snake dancers so that's where the title comes from Although they don't really have anything hardly to do with nope. the serial, but oh well. And this is searches Ambrose's office for the key to the jail cell, but Tana catches her in the act and has her locked up alongside the doctor. The doctor and Nissa read through Dojin's diary and realize that the ancient Mauritians manufactured crystals that can conduct mental energy. The unanticipated results with the crystal absorbed and reflected the Mauritians' own negative thoughts and emotions, creating the Mara. So it's actually the the Minutians who actually created the Mara in the beginning with their negative thoughts. So as the centuries passed, the Minutians forgot that they themselves had brought the Mara into being. The Doctor deduces that Dojin learned the truth from the snake dancers, the only people who kept the knowledge alive. So they're kind of like elders, um, soothsayers, whatever you want to call them. They kind of yeah. keep the stories going down for the generations. Uh, Lon and Ambril return to the palace where a dazed Ambril in. Uh, yeah, because he's already under the influence, that's why. A dazed Ambrose informs Tana and Sh Sheila that at the impending ceremony, the great crystal will be restored to its original place. Alarmed, Sheila frees the Doctor and Nyssa in hopes that they can intervene. They attempt to flee the palace, but are surrounded by guards. Lon claims that the three are plotting his death and orders the guards to kill him. Again, dun dun dun. Not really that much of a cliffhanger. Basically, he just orders them to be to be killed. You know now by now, Doctor Who. When they say that, it's never going to happen. They're always going to come back, and they're going to be stopped or freed or whatever. And that's what happens. It's because Tana overrides Lon's orders and allows the Doctor a chance to speak. The Doctor realizes that Lon has fallen under the control of the Mara because he kind of sees. Does he see the tip of the? Because obviously the 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 tattoo of mm. the snake is on Lon's arm as well. He decides to don these really really like large gloves. They sort of look like gauntlets um, that go up to the elbow. They sort of look like gloves for like sort of falconry. And yeah, stuff sort of like hawks that. and stuff like that. flying and flying birds of prey. Eagles, yes, that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just, just it looks strange. Life. Anyway, he, he does see it and uh, basically highlights it to the group. Ambril offers to reveal the great crystal, and as he, Tana, and Lon are distracted, the Doctor seizes the opportunity to escape with Nyssa and Sheila. Disturbed, uh, determined to destroy the Mara completely, the Doctor uses his crystal, which is the little one he had in the previous couple of episodes ago, to summon Dojin. Dojin and the Doctor enact the steak dance routine in which live snakes bite their wrists, allowing them to communicate telepathically. Guilt-ridden over what has befallen Tegan, the Doctor asks how he can save her and defeat the Mara once and for all. Dojin urges him to find the still point within himself. So it's basically being under the influence of snake venom is a snake dance it's a bit strange you would think snake dance it's dance you know but it's obviously not it's Pretty just basically just... being succumbed to poison and having a vision that's kind of what it is yeah people call that basically being on drugs and hallucinating basically yeah so the doctor did a, a kind of a drug 
Anyway, Tana questions Lon's strange behavior, but he brushes her aside her suspicions in the cave. The ceremony proceeds according to the custom until Lon, Lon stuns the audience by announcing that the Mara has returned. Can we just take a moment to talk about this bit? Martin Clunes in that outfit. He basically had to don like ceremonial outfit, which his ancestors wore when they destroyed the Mara. It looks like something a little reception children put together. Well, it had it had a very short skirt, so you could see all of Martin Clunes' legs, and I just think that Martin Clunes has a comedy face. He has a funny face. He's got like big ears, big lips. He's just got a comedy face. And in that hat that he wore, that headpiece, it just makes him look really funny. He's already wearing lipstick, and he's got, like, red, like, under his eyes. It just looks incredibly funny. I, I, I just thought it was very comedy. It's, it's kind of like a, a sketch. It kind of was like what something mm. wearing a sketch. Yeah. So, yeah, listeners, let me know in the descriptions, uh, in the, uh, the social medias that are in the description, what did you think of Martin Clooney's outfit there? Because I think it's comedy gold. It's really funny. Um, so where were we? So uh, proceeds according to custom until Lon stuns the audience by announcing that the Mara have returned. The Doctor Nissa and she- uh, Sheila burst into the, onto the scene, but are too late to stop Lon from placing the great crystal into the mouth of the snake on the cave wall. Tegan appears holding the Mara in the form of a snake wrapped around her arm. The Mara freeze uh, feeds on the crowd's fear and panic, growing larger and stronger. And again, it looks a little bit better than what they did in the previous Kinder. I think the snake actually looks better. The Doctor alone is unaffected. He focuses mental energy into his crystal in a battle of wills against the Mara once again, basically. That is once again. Although he resolved this tester when the Mara speaks to him with Tegan's voice, he refuses to submit. Dojin adds his own mental energy to the effort, helping to subdue the Mara along uh, the Mara long enough for the Doctor to pull the Great Crystal from the wall. The Mara inf- Mara's influence is broken, and the snake falls to the ground, basically dead. And like you said, basically just disintegrating. For all, well, one disintegrated, it kind of turned into goo. That seems to be that's disintegrated. Has gone poof. Season season twenty, the goo budget must be quite high because it's the second time they've had something squelchy. Squelchy and gooey, because in the last one, Ark Infinity uh, and uh, Omega, he did that. His sort of body went all squelchy and squishy. Maybe, maybe and they that. just had an excess budget for slime. Maybe, and I think they're gonna do. Yeah, they've got that in here. And then the ending is restored to herself. Tegan weeps with horror at having faced, felt the rage and hatred of the Mara inside of her the doctor confronts her uh, com- the doctor comforts her assuring her that the mara has been destroyed and that's the end and it's very it's a bit of an abrupt, abrupt ending so uh you said about uh the cast list uh tana was played by colette o'neill um like i said i haven't seen her in anything it just says basically she was in this although actually non non to who works Hancock's Half Hour, Kidnap, Dr. Finley's Casebook, The War of the Roses, Zed Cars, Coronation Street, Dixon of Doc Green, The Pilgrim's Progress, Crown Court, David Copperfield, The Spores of War, Taggart, Wildflowers, Casualty, Peak Practice, Heartbeats, Doctors, Bad Girls, Sherlock Holmes, uh, Warlander, and Shetland. So, so a fair amount might, of soaps. Might have been Bad Girls, you might have seen it. No. 
So she was in Because I didn't watch a lot of bad girls. It would have probably been more Casualty or Heartbeat, Doctors, Coronation Street, probably. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, so what did you think of Snake Dance? It was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's all right. Uh, let's see. It says here in the show notes, Martin Clunes is rather embarrassed about his role in the serial, mostly because chat shows have kept... Uh, kept bring bringing clips out uh from it showing him in the silly costumes so he can't really live it down as it were so um i don't think he should be embarrassed about it at the end of the day you know everyone sort of has to do things when they're at to start an hour to pay the bills yep so uh basically two weeks prior to not everyone can be like johnny depp and basically be friends with nicholas cage and then end up being put on with his agent and then the first thing he tries out for is you know nightmare on elm street and he gets it straight away Mm. so two weeks prior to start production peter davison was asked to film what he believed to be a promotional trailer for australian television in fact this was the rouge uh, concocted by John Nathan Turner. In reality, when Davison arrived on location, he was surprised to find Matthew Waterhouse, Sarah Sutton, and Janet Fielding already in their full costume. Davison was even more surprised to discover that they were accompanied by Eamon Andrews and that he was the subject of This Is Your Life. So it's quite an interesting um, tidbit. Also, there's another little bit here which we talked about costumes. We might as well talk about this as well. Sarah Sutton and Janet Field and disliked their costumes with Sutton going on going so far as to say it made her look fat. Peter Davison says on the DVD commentary that it looks worse than Colin Baker's costume. It's what nieces? Yeah, talking about nieces. So that's basically it. So yeah, I quite like Snake Dance. I think it's mm. a nice, worthy successor to Kinder. Uh, Kinder is a very good episode, uh, a very good serial, and this one I think is a very good uh, serial. It was always going to live in the shadow, I think, of Kinder, uh, and you kind of think, well, what more can I you do? I don't know, to be honest, I kind of preferred it. Well, I kind of like Kinder over this one, but this is a very close second. You know, I just think they did they did more of the same, but they did do a little twist on it. Uh, Martin Clunes, I think Martin Clunes is quite good in this. I think, uh, yeah. yeah, he may think it's silly, the costumes and all that stuff, and maybe a bit embarrassed by it. Actually, I think he should give he himself well. a lot of credit, because to be honest, well. apart from the costumes, everyone in, you know, every actor in the world has done a job where they have to probably wear a silly costume. And at the end of the day... I think, you know, he'd done a very good performance, uh, you know, as a a young actor. And I don't think he should be ashamed of it at all. Yeah, I think he did really, really well. So uh, he should be very proud of himself. Mark Campbell's episode, Guy Verdict, Becky. Here we go. While less experimental than Kinder, there are still some good moments. Martin Clunes and Colette O'Neill are the best thing in it. Seven out of ten. Oh, my God. I know. It's an oh, my God moment from Mark Campbell there. We actually agree with you. That's why I did it. So yeah, so definitely I agree with that. Martin Clunes is very good, uh, and yeah, maybe the the banter between him and his um, mm. Lon and Tana, the sort of uh, you know the back and forth is quite good. So next week mm. we have, or next time, I'm we're going to say next week, but next time it's the Mordred Undead. Now, if you can remember last week when I said zombies. That I can't remember. Uh, but what I will say is that last week, segue into this way, uh, last week we mentioned that each serial in season 20 
is has something come back so it has a previous thing that they've been through or a villain or a monster or something coming back so last week it was omega who we'd already seen in the three doctors this week it was snake it was the mara which we'd already seen in kinder so next week we'll see something return i, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head but we'll anticipate that with bated breath mm-hmm. it could be something really really good so now i will quickly while we've got just a couple of minutes left for the end before we wrap it up now that we're kind of like oh, hazard a guess how many we're in seven eight maybe serials now into peter davison era what do you think of peter davison because i know at the beginning of castro valba and a couple of serials into that season 19 you weren't convinced that he was a good doctor what do you think now that we've had a season i think he's settled in a bit more i think he's found a role he's kind of to be honest i think after tom baker it took a lot of getting used to Mm, yes and i think Um, it's the same for any doctor well no because i knew full well what it was kind of leading up to Mm. you know and i was so like eager to get on to you know um tom baker but like with william hartnell with you know Patrick Troughton, I was always, and with John Pertwee, I was willing to give him sort of a chance at the get go. And, you know, I found them quite funny. And mm. then, you know, they all had their own, like, little eccentricities. Yeah. And at the beginning of this season, I was just like, um, Peter Davison fell very flat. Yeah. And, you know, and I weren't used to that because I was normally used to the others coming straight out off the bat and it was just very flat and that took a little while to take off i do feel that i do feel the podcast and regenerate is less negative now than what it was i think we had that little dip of negativity when they changed yeah i know and you spent about a couple of days having to go at me about it but i ain't gonna beat around the bush and i ain't gonna lie and at the end of the day my opinion is my opinion and I am not going to fabricate my opinion to suit other people, Mm. you know, and regardless of who they are. And at the end of the day, it just was a very, very, very like, you know, it was, it was, it was like, I wouldn't say a massive slow burn. It's like the engine had started. He's sitting on the runway and it's just like, you ain't even started going down it to even take off. Mm. You're just stuck there. I think it's now starting to get better now. Well, I think at the moment we're kind of at least kind of, you know, gaining height. I feel that there is some uh, changes maybe coming. Mm. Um, I can't remember. Again, I have watched them, but again, it's a long time. I keep reiterating that. But But then when it comes to basically the next Doctor, I'll probably do exactly what I did with all the others and I'll end up missing them when they actually go into a new Doctor. Mm. Because even when it went to Tom Baker, I actually missed John Pertwee's Doctor. And I do feel feel that we're going to go through another change soon with companions, is what I'm feeling. Yeah. Uh, It feels like Nyssa is coming to the end of her story that's how i feel i don't Mm. know if that's true or not until we get to it but she's been there for quite a while she's been there one Mm. episode one serial before before um one one yeah one serial before tegan so but then tegan did have that little dip where she wasn't in and then she came back but that was only for like yeah, half a serial. A but annoying. anyway, so yeah, I do feel as if we're going to be getting to the end of a companion. So it, it does feel like that. Um, so yeah, I like I said, again, the only issue I have with it, again, is like, I get it, it's a Tegan-centric episode, but she's kind of like the villain and she's kind of taken out of the companion pool. 
So then we just get the Doctor and Nissa. And again, I will say it just like last week's, it works as a two. It does. It just works more as a two. You have a Doctor mm. gets himself in trouble. The, the companion tries to get him out. You know, there's less sort of making up stuff to fill in the gap with the other yeah. companion i just feel it works but anyway let us know in the social medias that are in the description what you thought of snake dance like i said next week's mordred i'm dead and thank you all for listening we will catch you for that so i'll say goodbye and say goodbye becky bye 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 <laughs>